Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. And today I'm joined by Carl Richards of Behavior Gap. Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jonathan. Super excited to talk to you. Same here. Um, so before we get started, for anyone who hasn't yet heard of you, could you give folks a, a just quick background? Yeah. Um, so I, it's crazy um, to let me think about how to do it quickly. So I was a financial advisor and that's not normally thought of as a creative job. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but one day I found myself in a meeting. I, I had a familiar experience that I, that I finally sort of realized what was going on. I was meeting with clients and I thought I was really good at communicating. And these were really smart clients. All my clients were really smart, successful people. And I was trying to explain a concept to them and I was just getting blank stares. Mm despite thinking that I was really good at this and, and and knowing that these are smart people. So since they were smart people, it was clearly, in fact, I remember who it was, the doctor and a technology sales rep, really sort of technical sales rep. And I remember thinking like, uh, this is bad, right? Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. There's this concept they really need to understand and I'm not getting it across. So out of a act of really desperation, and I had never really done this before. I, I didn't think of myself as a doodler. I didn't draw. I didn't do visual journals. I, like I'd done none of this. I'd never taken an art class in my life. But out of an act of desperation, I was like, there was a whiteboard in the office that I'd never used. And I jumped up and was like, no, like this. And I drew, you know, like a couple of boxes and some arrows and some circles or something. And, and I remember the feeling in the room when the clients were like, oh, now I get it. Mm. And I became sort of, addicted is my the word I like to use to that experience, the experience of, of taking something that was seemingly complex, whether it was or not, is doesn't matter, but seemingly complex and, and reducing it to something simple. And so I, I, I started doing that publicly. I mean, I just, I started a little blog. This was years and years ago. My mom and my sister were the only ones that would read it. My, I, I found out my, later my sister was lying. So it was really just the mom. And <laughs> But I kept doing it. And every time a question came up, every time I read something or somebody asked me a question or a client asked me a question. And at this point, it was all about money, mm. investing and spending and budgeting. I, I would I would answer the question and then I would try to I would try to draw some simple sketch. And at this point, you know, it was it was Sharpie and cardstock and a Fujitsu snap scanner. Mm -hmm. I did that for a while. I just kept putting them up on this little blog. And I did that for a while. It was probably a year. Um, which is seems like it happened pretty quick, to be honest, um, yeah. a year. And then I got an email and there's, there's a little bit of story that I'm leaving out, but not much. I got an email from the editor at the New York Times saying, hey, we love these. Would you do it for us? And I, I knew enough to say yes and kind of figure it out later. So yeah, that started this column for the New York Times that we did. And again, I had no clue this would happen when I said yes, but we did that, that column ended up running weekly for 10 years that led to the book. And then, you know, maybe three or four years into that column, I kind of got bored with just straight money and I kind of expanded the definition of money and, and started doing things around creativity. And we started thinking of it as a business life column. Mm -hmm. um, and so that expanded it, you know, imposter syndrome and fear and doing public work. And, and then, you know, the two books and some speaking engagements. And I started getting asked to do speak at creative conferences. And 
I did an art show, a solo eight week art show and <laughs> another one in London. And all of it was a hundred percent by accident. And I couldn't ever believe that it happened. So that that's a little bit of the bio. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I love the I love the juxtaposition of like a certified financial planner and creator of the sketch guy column. <laughs> it's like, right, right, right. It feels no, super, like super fun to me. Interesting Venn diagram there. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So I'm glad you brought up the New York Times thing because I was going to ask you about that backstory. And um, is is there a piece that so I, I would love to connect the dots if there are any dots to connect? Was it you know because the listener is probably um, either blogging or something like that YouTube channel, or they are thinking about starting one, maybe it's a mailing list, maybe it's a podcast, but people who listen generally do some sort of content creation. And I have a, I'll just quickly say short stories, not dissimilar, um, where I was just, you know, years ago, 2000, I don't even know, five ish, I was blogging about a really niche topic. For, I feel like I, I posted six posts in six weeks, maybe, and a book publisher contacted me completely out of the blue. Right. And I'm just curious if the New York Times thing was completely out of the blue or if you did anything to kind of, um, was there any any anything you did that actually led to that or was it pretty much out of the blue? I wish I had something more, right? Like I, I've been asked this question so many times, including my editor at the time was like, Hey, what would you tell, you know, so-and-so who wants to, and I was like, Ron, I've got nothing for you. I mean, (laughs) the only thing I have, and this, unfortunately, like this doesn't fit into the tips and tricks and tactics and hacks that everybody wants. Cause we all want deeply. We just want a tactic that we can follow. And I, I think this, you know, endless focus that I have on tactics and we all have on tactics is actually just a place to hide. I agree. Um, Mm -hmm. But so I'm not going to like, it would be cute to make up a story. Um, but it really was the only thing I have is playing in traffic, right? Like that, that, mm-hmm. that was it. Like I, I, I didn't even know what SEO was. Like I, I didn't, I, I just kept doing the thing and I don't know why for some people doing the thing, the thing that you just can't not do, right? Like for mm-hmm. some people that, that ends up being a quiet life of disappointment and desperation. And for other people, something hits. And I wish I knew the answer to that. That's the question I've been thinking about for over a decade. Like, cause they're doing work in public doesn't guarantee that a book publisher is going to reach out to you. In fact, right. it, it's, it's highly unlikely that they will, but right. I promise you, the only thing I have is I promise you they won't if you don't do it. Yep. I, I'm so, actually, I'm actually glad that you have a non-answer there because it is an answer. It's like, stop worrying about that stuff. Keep playing in traffic. You know, uh, it, yeah, that's, that's all I, 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 I often want to be like a weep. I play a lot of, I think a lot about empathetic hugs versus punches in the nose. And, <laughs> and this feels like both, like it's like deeply empathetic. Like, look, brother, I get you. I understand that this can be a lonely pursuit. You got a thing that's bothering you, you know, and by bothering, I mean like stirring within you and you can't stop doing it and you're going to do it publicly You do it. And I, and, and stop worrying about all that other stuff. Like I, I, I didn't even know I just did the work and sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not. And that's the, that's the big mystery for me. Right. I mean, I'm a big fan of Seth Godin's approach 
of suggesting for people who just need a little bit more than what we're seeing right now is just find the minimum viable audience for the present that you made. And, and it's so doable. It just feels so doable. So, okay, we can, we can move on. I just, just curious if uh, I'm glad you, it was out of the blue basically, because I think that frees people actually to just focus on creating stuff they want to create. Well, and Jonathan, before you move on, let me say like, that's, that has not stopped. Like I don't have the same thing for the first book, same thing for the second book, same thing for the book I'm working on now. So like it, it's, it, there is no master plan. And so I, yeah, I think, I, I, I think to me, that's actually freeing like you said. So I, Mm -hmm. yeah, it hasn't stopped. I haven't come up with a formula since. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me, so let's go into that a little bit because I do know some things we're going to get into here. You, you have uh, at least one, probably multiple daily practices. Mm -hmm. So it feels like you must have systems in place that, um, you know, allow you to continue or not allow you to, but, but support you in showing up every day, you know, going back to traffic. Um, and this isn't really a show about systems, but I would just say to the, the person listening that, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say I have a master plan. Like, I don't know every step I'm going to take over the next three, even let's just say year, definitely three yeah. years, but I've got a rough goal for the kind of impact I want to have and who I want to help. And I have a strategy to do that. And there's some systems in place that help me show up every day and do it. And, you know, meet with great people like this, have them on the podcast. And, you know, there, there are, it's not that there are no tactics. It's just not worth worrying about the tactics. You just, you know, have a goal, set up a system to support it and look at heads down, do the system. So, yeah, I mean, the word that keeps coming to mind as you're talking is habits. You know, like I, I have a habit of noticing things in the world. I even have it. There's like a, I even joke, there's a face I make. It's, I call it the huh face. Like, huh? <laughs> Like I, I have a habit of looking for that to happen a couple of times a day. And then when it happens, I pull out my iPhone and see, this is the interesting piece. Like if you don't have an iPhone, if you don't have an iPhone, you can't do this. Like that's the, that's the places to hide thing. Uh-huh. But I, I'm trying, I'm only going to tell you this, tell your listeners this because I think it demonstrates like how simple it needs to be. I mentioned that earlier cardstock Sharpie and Fujitsu snap scanner. I, I didn't have a flatbed scanner. There was no music playing there. Like, so now it's like, I notice something in the world. I pull out my phone under notes. I have a folder called ideas. I take an, I take a note. And if I'm, if I'm moving, I'll just record on voice memo, the note, then that folder, when it's time to put something into the world, I go to that folder and I pull up the idea. Like there's one in there from last night. There's one in there. Let me just do it real quick. Notes. Um, uh, there's, yeah, there was one really, oh yeah. Re the idea of re reinvesting. Like I have a habit of, as soon as I feel better, like healthy, I'm energetic, I'll go make a big athletic goal. And somebody, somebody was like, well, what if you just reinvested that energy? So like, that's an idea that will go up on the podcast tomorrow. Hmm. So I go into the notes folder. There's an ideas folder. I pull it up. Oh, reinvest is there. When I when I do something with the idea of reinvest, I move it to another folder. The folder is called used ideas, <laughs> and that's the end of the that's the end of the system. Yeah. So yeah, there are habits, and I think James Clear's work around process and systems are, is super smart. And I think that's the thing that sometimes I think there's a big difference between 
being creative and the process of making stuff. Oh, that's a good point. And I don't think of myself as creative, although I do now, because I'm like, oh, well, actually, it turns out being creative isn't some magic. For some people, it is. And that's awesome. Like, cool. But there's also a process of, and I, I call it making stuff on purpose. It's like stuff. It's not art. It's not, I mean, it is, but like, there's no fancy feelings about it. It's like, mm -hmm. there's a big difference between being creative and sometimes they're the same thing, but just for people who don't feel like they're creative, you can create a system for making stuff. It's just like another widget. Yeah. It's, it's not a big deal. So anyway, yeah, I agree that there are systems, process and the habits. Yep. Yep. And James has been on the show. So folks, if, if, if you're interested, if you don't know who James Clear is, check out the podcast in his book, Atomic, uh, Atomic Habits. It's fabulous. Um, so yeah, my, I do a daily mailing list and I just, when I have one of those ideas, same thing, puppy dog face. I like that. And I whip out the phone and I start a new Gmail message and I type the idea or I say the idea and I just close it and it automatically saves on all my devices. It's instantly available everywhere. And so good. Yeah. And it's just, it's just the teeniest, teeniest little spark will happen during the day. And I just know if I don't instantly grab it, I'm going to forget it. 30 seconds later, kids come and say something to me, gone, all gone. But if you get into the habit of capturing those things, even if you don't have an answer, it's just an inspiration sometimes and or, or, or weird observation or a paradox. If you don't capture that, it is going to be gone. But when you do capture it and you get into the habit, I mean, I, sh I have like over 600 of these unwritten ideas in this folder. Same thing. If I don't have an idea for today, I just open up the folder and oh, yeah, let's write about that. So yeah, can, I, can I just mention two things? One, one um, I've heard that like it's gone thing. And, and I think that's true for, I don't know where the boundary conditions are on any of this stuff. I only want to mention this because maybe there's some listeners who think a little differently about it. And mm -hmm. I have finally, um, I've noticed that the good stuff sticks. Mm. And I, I don't know where, again, I don't know the boundary condition of it. I don't know. So I've started to be a little less precious about the idea. I got to capture it. I got to grab it. Mm -hmm because I find that the good stuff comes back. And I, I don't, again, I don't know if that's just me mm -hmm. or, you know, like uh, um, Elizabeth Gilbert's thing, like, you know, at some point, if you don't let the idea out into the world, it will find a new host. I don't know. Is that three times? Is it one time? Is it, I don't know. But so I've started to be just recently, I've developed a little less preciousness around like, oh, and I've, I'll even find myself saying it to the idea. Like, Hey, right now I'm driving, brother. But if, if 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 you're really good and you want me to be involved, could you come back? Because I I think you're not nice, and I'd like to see you again, right? Like that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing I would mention is, um, oh, I forgot what the second thing was. It was preciousness, and then, well, if it, it'll come back, right? Yeah, it will come back exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, oh, this the not knowing the answer. Mm -hmm. I like it took me five years to finally get my editor convinced that the point of the column was often the question, mm -hmm. right? Cause they would say, well, there was always this, like this common refrain in journalism of like, so what, like, yeah. what's the, what's the point here? And I would have to say the point is the question. And so mm -hmm. I only mentioned that cause I like, I wouldn't be scared to share observations and create stuff that you don't know the answer to. And you can be upfront about this. And I say this all, like almost every day on the podcast. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's interesting. And I promise you, this is, I think we get hung up in this, like, oh, where am I going to find ideas? And this is all the same thread. It's like, if you think something's interesting, 
And again, it's just for me, it's that huh face. Like I could be reading something. If I notice I have to pause and go back and read a sentence, that's a sign to me where I'm like, oh, that's there's something interesting. Mm-hmm. If you find something interesting, we live in such an inter, such a connected world now that I promise you, no, no matter how silly you think it is, there's somebody else out there that's going to find it interesting. It's just a function of doing it long enough in a space where the signal gets clear. Hmm. So I, I just wanted to mention that idea of like, you don't have to have the answers. In fact, I think it's far more, gosh, far more honest and far more interesting to follow somebody on the exploration. I think of the work I do really as like Shackelford's journal. Like, I don't know, it's not advice, but if you come this way, if you happen to find yourself on this trail, I found a spring here and it was interesting. It was nice to know that there's water and you know, there's a tree around the corner that provides good shade. I don't know if you, you know, if it's good for you, but it was good for me. So that, that's the one thing I wanted to mention. Yeah, I, I do like that. And I did notice that on the podcast where you're like, this isn't advice, it's observations, things I've observed. Yeah. And there's something, the thing I like about that is it removes the word should from any sentence you would ever write. Because the totally. word should always scares me. If that comes out of my mouth, I'm like, hmm, yeah. that's a little, yeah. Same yeah, thing. yeah. And so Derek Sivers has a really, um, he, he has a very similar approach. I don't know if you're familiar with his stuff, but. For sure. Yeah, his especially his new book where it's like how to live and it's, it's like, you know, chapter after chapter of almost contradictory ways that you could run your life. Like some of them are you know, completely contradictory, like right one right after the other. Right. And it's like, here's a bunch of ways you could do it. <laughs> right. It's a fascinating approach. It's so and it, it may be most fascinating in how rare it is. Most books that you'd buy, you know, self-help book would be like, here's what you do first get up at 4 a.m., make your bet, you know, like the, the classic sure. stuff. And it's like, yeah, but I already read that and that's not going to work for me for whatever reason. So, yeah, cool. All right. Well, I, I have a feeling that we could talk for four hours. So right. <laughs> um, this is great. So uh, obviously, if people want more of this kind of like talking about Carl's content, like the actual content, um, you know, go to behaviorgap.com and just start reading. There's like loads and loads and loads of great stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. But what I really, really the the primary reason I reached out is, you know, this is a, a, a pricing podcast and you've got a new book coming out that has a pun intended novel pricing structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk about that a little bit? Where'd that idea come? Well, first, what is it? And then where'd that idea come from? Those sorts of things. Yeah. So um, again, no grand scheme here. I, I, uh, I wanted to, so, okay. So keep in mind, let me just describe what it is first. So I do these sketches. Uh, I noticed years and years ago, I had other people who gave financial advice for a living. So this, this would range from CPAs, attorneys, financial advisors, financial planners, private equity, venture capital, Anybody who kind of deals with money and takes risk for a living um, started to ask for these images. And they would, like, I, I specifically remember the first time was like, I, I, I even remember the guy's name. Um, he said, hey, could I, would you, could I have a print of one of these and would you sign it? And I was like, that is so silly. No. <laughs> and he, he said, well, I'll give you $25 for an unsigned one. I'll give you $100 for a signed one. I was like, give me the pen, you know? So, so that was the first time. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Right. Again, like 
I'm not very good at seeing the future, but I'm really good at noticing tail. Well, I'm getting better at noticing tailwind. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. So we started, we started selling like prints and that's, that, that's where like the art show I did, I did an eight week solo 50 piece show that sold out. And I was like, what? Wow. So it was tailwind. So there's this group of people who use, so this is like purpose art. And I've got lots of friends who are authors they don't have that kind of an audience. And this idea would not work unless you had that kind of an audience. So, so people give my first book, The Behavior Gap, sold to those same people and they would give it away to their clients. So it's, you know, so it's been years of me thinking like, oh, isn't that interesting? These are tools, the, the sketches themselves and then the writing that goes with the sketches are actual tools. We think of them as conversation grenades. I think I stole that from Human Cloud. <laughs> um, you, you throw them in a room and conversations break out. And it's the exact kind of, com- it's supportive conversations for people who give financial advice for a living. They, they, they're the exact kind of conversations these people want to be having. So, so with all of that in, in mind, I was like, wow, I should create a, I want to create, well, yeah, I got to tell you another part of the story. I got contacted by somebody who, who, who said, and I get these kind of phone calls every once in a while. It's, it's, it's actually quite annoying, but they're like, look, do you own all the rights to your material? And I do. And it's been very intentional. And um, do you own the name behavior app? I'm like, I do. And like, would you sell the whole thing to us? Hmm. And I was like, well, for how much? And they threw out a number and I was like, tomorrow. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> It didn't work out, but it got me thinking. And again, and NFTs played into this too. Like all of these little things yeah, mashing yeah. together got me thinking like, could I ever release? And Bob Dylan selling his catalog for 600 million. Like all yeah. of those things were in a pot. And I was like, well, could I sell a fractional piece of my library? And so I was thinking through that and I was like, well, who would I sell it to? And like, well, I could sell it to people who would use it not just enjoy it, but people would use it. And wouldn't it be interesting if those people thought of themselves as owners, not just customers. So all of that came together and I was like, all right, I want to create. And then Austin Kleon's book, um, you know, the size of it, six by six, the matte, soft cover, matte finish, like all of that, all of it came together. It was like, okay, I'm going to do a coffee table book that's eight by eight square, soft cover, matte finish. And I'm going to make, I love playing with the juxtaposition of, kind of Swiss grid and hand-drawn elements. I love that. It's, mm. It feels like a business suit with flip-flops. Like I just love <laughs> playing around with that. So, so, and we, I love, I love juxtaposition and, 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 and I, we also have a fundamental concept here called permissionless projects. So I was like, okay, how can I do this project that would involve no one else's permission, no gatekeeper, no publisher, no nothing. Right. So that's what, that's how the project came about. And it's eight, Eight by eight, soft cover. It's fifty-two. I took fifty-two sketches. Um, we we wrote up fifty-two essays. We we got them really fine. Like I I feel like the 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 subtitle of the book should be better than the New York Times because these are all things that have appeared. Then they went through more editorial processes based on feedback. So it's fifty-two sketches, fifty-two essays. Each fold of the book is a sketch and an essay. We mix them up a little bit on which side and how they're done. But each fold of the book is self-contained sketch essay. And, and then I was like, all right, great. What should I do with this? And I thought, okay, the people, the fractional ownership, the sale of the library, all that NFT, like all that came together. And I was like, what if I only made this available to a hundred people mm. and each person will get a hundred 
signed and numbered. So I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm literally calling the printer and saying, I'm print, I'm actually printing 11,000 mm -hmm. because I want to keep a thousand as artist proofs for myself to give to friends. But, but so 10, I'm ordering 10. It's the only print run. It will never be printed again. And, and I, all of this is like, I get so excited about it because it's all part of my ethos. Like, a project that has a start, a finish. It's not going to be around forever. Like I loved calling the printer saying 10,000. They're like first print run. I'm like, no, final only never again. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to get those 10,000. I'm going to go sit in the printer's place and sign one of 10,000, two of 10,000. So that's going to take me a week. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you get the book, hundred copies of the book to give to your clients. Again, that's the part that, you know, is relatively unique here. 100 copies of the book to give to your clients. You get the digital rights, the forever digital use rights for the 52 sketches and the 52 essays. These people will use, the people who will buy this will use these in social media and they'll use them in their client newsletter and they'll use them in communication. We've had people in Texas print them on a billboard in Texas, of course. Oh, you know, I, you thought, use... I saw that. I thought it was, a, I thought it was like digital magic. Yeah, no, no, that, that one, the one you saw probably was digital magic, but there is a real one and I just haven't been able to get a picture of it. So you can, you can print them on a t-shirt, you can print them on a mug, as long as you're not selling them to give to clients. So like you, we call it do the do whatever you want license. So you get mm -hmm. the do whatever you want license, 52 sketches forever. And I was like, well, geez, how do you price that? Right? Mm -hmm. Like what, what do you do? And so I knew enough from my art show because when I did the art show, I, I went, I literally read everything I could get my hands on on how to price art. And I don't know if you know this, but there's no manual. Yeah, I do you know, know like, that. <laughs> yeah, there's no, like, I, I looked everywhere. There's no, like, in my world, you can price a comp, a comparable asset of similar risk and similar reward, and you can come up with a price. In the art world, there's nothing. So the same thing with the book. I was like, well, wait a second. This isn't really a book. It's 52 weeks of marketing it's 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 all these other things so i was like well i just picked a number and partially i was like okay you know what i want to do something that scares me and i've always wanted to do a million dollar book launch mm -hmm. and so we priced it at ten thousand dollars a piece a hundred people can buy it it's a million dollars we've actually made 20 slots available that would include me coming to speak at your book like at a book party nice so those are those are twenty thousand so it's actually what is that? It's a hundred and it's a hundred and if those all sell, it's a, it's a $1.2 million project. Amazing. For and it's book. crazy, right? Like, <laughs> and I book. feel all those feelings of like, wait, who told you you could do this? I I have a buddy, he's called, he's called imposter syndrome and he shows up every time I do something cool. Yeah. He comes every time I talk about like right now, I totally, I'm like, what? That's nuts. I can hear listeners being like, what? I'm scared to death. And that's part of the project. Yeah. Right. Imposter syndrome is a good sign. Like exactly. if imposter syndrome shows up, it means you're doing something interesting and new. For sure. um, okay, so that's incredible. Very cool. Totally, I saw it and I was just like, oh, we have to talk about this. Um, has someone besides imposter syndrome shown up to throw rocks at you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we've only recently started announcing. I mean, you saw one of the early announcements. You probably saw Blair and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. And Blair is a friend of mine and he's had something to do with this. I'll call him and be like, really, am I doing it? And he's like, dude, you know the answer to this. Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I think I saw, I'm trying to um, spend less and less time on Twitter. I do I use Twitter for a lot for broadcasting, but I'm trying not to do a lot of interacting there. But I did see like 
people in my industry saying things like it's, it's obviously a top, like that's a joke that we'll always say, like the market's certainly frothy at this point, if Carl's doing this and then somebody else, the one that, and those are like, whatever, like, it's certainly, it's not for you. You, you clearly don't understand. Somebody else said, um, Oh, here's Carl playing a joke on all his loyal fans. And, and I then explained to him what it was. I was like, no joke here. Like this is what he's like, Oh, I didn't get that. It had the digital rights. Right. Mm. So those things I'm like, it's not for you. The one that hurt the most recently was somebody saying, I thought you were all about helping people. Mm -hmm. Why are you, why are you suddenly leaving everybody out? So that, and I, I can feel that and then say, and it's okay for me to do a project like this. So yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know if it'll work. I mean, we've already pre-sold a bunch of them. Um, we, we opened up 21 early seats because there were people who sent notes saying literally like, I'm bringing a bag of cash to your door. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I don't know if we'll get to, I don't even know if we'll get to 50, but mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because next year we could sell 10 more and 10 more until all hundred go. Right. I don't know if it'll work is what I'm saying. I have no idea if it'll work, but there's enough tailwind for me to try. Yeah. I love that. I actually wrote that down tailwind. That's you, you're, so you note your noticing engine is very good where you'll notice this sort of puppy dog face stuff. But then also like when something happens, it's not just like you move on to the next thing. It's like, whoa, there's the, the sort of after effect of motion happening here. Like, you know, just yeah. really, really good, really good detector. We, Jonathan, we try, we tried to systemize that a bit. Like I think of it as a system, like we use early detection stuff, you know, like Twitter's a great place to toss something out. Mm-hmm. And, and again, if you get no feedback, I actually, I don't use that as a, I don't use that as a sign. It's only if I get feedback that I'm like, oh, interesting. Cause no feedback, actually the sample size is so small that no matter what the feedback is, it's inconclusive. So the only thing I can ever say from it is like, oh, interesting. Like maybe I should try a little more of that. Right. You know, right. Like, and just, it's, it's just a slight tailwind at that point. And then, but we try to like, we, we have systems now for like, where does the idea get tested first? Well, behavior app radio is where the, it gets heard first. And then if it makes it out of behavior app radio, it'll go here. And if it makes it out of there, it'll go here. And eventually it'll end up in volume four. Right. Cause that's mm-hmm. part of the, that's the other thing I should tell you the book's name. We were like, what should we name the book? I was like, well, let's just call it volume one. So somebody on the team actually suggested volume one. I'm like, what? well, you can't do that. Like, my publisher would never like, well, we don't have a publisher. The design of the book, Jonathan, how cool is this? Like when, when we realized we didn't have to design for Amazon mm-hmm. or the bookstore, all we had to design was for the moment. I just envisioning it. I'm doing it right now. Like a financial person, financial advice giver has it in their hand and they hand it to a customer, a client. That moment, we could design the entire book cover for that moment. Yeah. Right. Really cool. So that's, that's huge. Yeah. Some fun stuff. Huge. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Just so focused on what it's for. This is right. what it's for. Yep. Awesome. And, and that circles back to your idea of like throwing stones. I have tried to get really, really good and I'm not very good at it, but I try so hard that it's not for them. Right. Seth's phrase, mm-hmm. like it's not for you. And so if, if there's anybody throwing stones, I understand and empathize and, and get it. And there's a reasonable, if they're thoughtful, I treat them as gold because it can make the project better. But largely I say, 
it must not either I didn't communicate well enough or it's mm-hmm. not for you. Right. And both of those are within my power, which is really, really freeing to me. Cause if I didn't communicate clearly, that's on me. And mm-hmm. if it's not for you, there's nothing I can do. It's okay. We'll just move on. Right. Yeah. Not everyone gets the joke as they say. Yeah. So, okay. So you just mentioned the, uh, uh behavior gap radio, right? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about that a little bit because, um, I am signed up to that. It's uh, well, you can describe it. What's the, yeah, what? I, th- I think for your listeners, this may be the most important idea because obviously I, there's a whole bunch of caveats around that book project that make it unique. I had, I had somebody tell me a good friend of mine said, Carl, you're an N of one for this project. Like, I don't know anybody else who could do it because you've got a market that needs it. So I understand that. Right. But there's a bunch of N of one projects for everybody listening has an N of one project, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're the only one that could do it. So don't, don't let that be a place to hide, but behavior app radio to me is, so let me just describe how it happened. I was noticing things in the world and it was actually a challenge from Seth Godin. He, we were having breakfast and he said, Carl, why aren't you writing a daily blog? And I said, cause it's, you know, he's unabashed about how powerful that's been for him. I'm like, well, yeah. I don't like to write. He's like, well, you like to talk. <laughs> and so why don't you just record? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, really? And this was before like the most recent like podcast craze. Um, yeah. So I just started recording. Uh, initially, the notes folder I described earlier on wasn't notes; it was a vo- it was audio files. Just what do you call them? voice memos? Mm-hmm. So I started recording voice memos, and I was saving them on a Dropbox file folder. And somebody on the team, and when I say team, there's three of us. Mm-hmm. Somebody on the team found them, and they're like, "What are you? Do you mind if I?" why don't we start a podcast? And I was like, no, 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 I don't want to know. I can't all sorts of imposter syndrome. They're like, well, okay. What if I just put them on SoundCloud and we embed the player someplace? And I was like, okay, fine. And, and then the times ran across them and they were like, can we run them every once in a while? So they ran them every once in a while, but then they stopped. And so it was just us posting these things up and I'd get notes, emails from people saying, I love your podcast. I'd be like, I don't have a podcast. (laughs) And they would say, I don't know what you call it, but would it, could you put it on iTunes so I could listen to it in the car? I'm like, all right. So we, we started it. And, um, but remember, it was just part of my process. That's why I think everybody could do this. It's yeah. Austin Kleon's work, like show your work. So I just started recording these every day. And sometimes I do like six a day. And sometimes I take days off, but I still have the six. Like I've, I haven't missed a day for a very long time. Um, except Sundays, I take Sundays off in terms of publishing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then the people at, I was having a conversation with the folks at Supercast, and Supercast is a paid subscriber-based podcast system, which is amazing. You can go check it out. Um, and they were like, "Wait, you're doing this anyway?" And so I, I decided like I didn't care if anybody listened to it. And Seth says that I, this is the story I tell myself. At least I'm not sure it's true, but I try to tell myself I don't care if anybody would listen to it. Mm. I'm doing it anyway. It's the idea generation. Seth says it's the metacognition, right? Like it's thinking about your thinking and, and it's the exercise of that muscle. Cause like you said, you have hundreds of them sitting in there. Like I do too. Like I, people are like, when are you going to run out of ideas? I, I, never. As long as I keep exercising the muscle. Right. So I'm doing it anyway. It so yeah. Somebody was like, well, what if you just made it a paid podcast? So I had this little, I was like, I want to do a little experiment. What if I told no one about it for a while? I just put it up and all we did, so we didn't lean on my list. We didn't lean on the t- anybody else. Like we just, all we did was we post about it on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. 
And we take little snippets, audiograms, post them on Twitter and Instagram. What if we did that? And I thought if I did that for a year and I made it $10 a month, would it, would I be happy or sad at the end of the year? <laughs> and it was like, oh, dude, there's no doubt. Like if I had no audience and I started doing that every day and I put it on Instagram and Twitter, that's all I did every day. I took a snippet or I took the highlight. I wrote the highlight on Instagram and Twitter and said, if you like this, you'd love my daily podcast. It's 10 bucks. Go here, sign up. If you did that every day for a year, I, I would be willing to bet money that you would be happy you did it. <laughs> it's such a good way to put it. Like it's, it's right. like, I don't know how happy, I don't know why, but I guarantee you, you'd be happy. Well, here's the flip side of that. Cause I agree with you, but let's just let the devil come in yeah. and advocate. So that's a lot of time to invest in something. And I want to pay off Carl. I want it to pay off. I want my, my time. I could use that. I could bill $200 for that hour or two every day. So I'm losing, you know, whatever. 365 minus Sundays times at least a hundred. Yeah. I don't, I don't buy it. So here's what I don't buy. <laughs> I mean, I see that. I see the point totally. And I, I think it's, a well, very it's opportunity good, cost at least. Yeah. I think it's a very good conversation. So, um, so number one, it doesn't take me an hour. It takes me about 15 minutes. So we, we got that. So I should describe it's a daily podcast. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to start a podcast. I don't want to have guests. That's so much work. So we have a, I have another concept that I love called turn the flaw into the feature. And oh. so it started with the Sharpie, right? Like I downloaded it. Believe me, I, I downloaded Illustrator and tried to figure out how to use it and couldn't figure out how to use it. So I was like, I'll just, okay, crap. I'll just have to use a Sharpie and cardstock and a Fujitsu snap scanner. I did that. And a couple of years later, I hired a designer and I said, hey, take this and turn it into a beautifully designed product. I put it out and everybody was like, wait, I love the Sharpie. So the flaw became the feature. So in this case, Behavior App Radio, I was like, oh no, podcasts have guests and they're long and they're thoughtful. <laughs> I didn't have time for any of that. And I, I didn't want to do it and I wasn't very good. So it's like, okay, well, but I want to do one. So, okay, well, what's the, the fly is it's just me talking. So it's me talking between three and 12 minutes. And I have no problem with it being three minutes. In fact, I work really hard to make it three minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's me talking between three and 12 minutes. And now I've asked, like, anybody want me to have guests? Be like, no. In fact, I just had somebody yesterday send me a message saying, your podcast fits perfectly into my time while I'm getting like making my coffee. Mm -hmm. And I love it because I don't have to set aside a bunch of time. So the flaw has become a feature. Right. So reason number one, it doesn't take that much time. So if I was saying that to myself, I really want to do this, but it takes too much time. I would say, oh, how could I do it in a way that didn't take much time? Yeah. Number two, I don't know what the value would be. So remember the value extraction. I'm always thinking value creation and value extraction. Yep. Well, value extraction doesn't have to be money. Value extraction could be thinking about my thinking. Seth claims he'd write his daily blog if nobody read it. I so would do. I, I would. I'm terrified of stopping my daily blog. I would never Why? stop it. Why? Because my brain would dry up. Like it's where all my ideas. So here I've been thinking about this a lot lately and Ideas, I don't make my ideas. Ideas pop into my head and I've created the conditions that cause a certain kind of idea to pop into my head. Mm. So it's kind of like these events are happening to me. But mm -hmm. if I took away the conditions, the events would stop happening to me. Mm. Even though they're happening in my head, they're like outside events. It's like if I moved to, I don't know, Afghanistan, 
or if I, you know, live in Providence, Rhode Island, different events are going to happen to me and it's going to cause different actions. I'm going to have to make different decisions because outside events are, you can, are predictably different in those two places. Mm-hmm. And if I stopped doing my daily list, that'd be like moving my brain to a place where it would stop having these uh, things happen to it. It's hard. I haven't figured out how to describe this very well, but, but well, taking, yeah, go ahead. Maybe are those you know. things, are those things creating value in other areas of your life? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So that, 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 that to me is the most interesting part, right? Like, wait, I don't want to do this thing because it's going to take an hour and I could have billed a hundred dollars an hour mm-hmm. or 200 or 500, whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. And that would be like saying, you know, the New York times didn't pay me very well, sure. if at all, how could I possibly calculate what it was worth to me? <laughs> yes. Well, so there's the leap of faith and I have made that leap and it, and, and there's a solid ground on the other side of the chasm. Um, yeah. So yeah. the thing for the listener who doubts this, you have to try it. You have to, yes, I, there is, I can give a, a, maybe a leave, even more specific question. It's, it's really a question is why are you doing it in the first place? So if yeah. you want to do it to make a million dollars, then don't do it. Yeah. But if you want to do it because you want to do it, it seems like a fun way to spend your day instead of doing actual work or not even your whole day. It's spend 15 minutes, yeah. then go ahead. You know, it's like the, the, when I'm coaching someone and they're like, but how's this going to pay off? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm sure it's like you said at the beginning, I'm sure if you don't do it, yeah. you're going to be stuck right where you are right now in two years, in five years, in 10 years. Yeah, that that inability to draw a linear line between creation and capture is is I think a real hang up for most of us. And I have gotten so comfortable with the idea because we live we go deep down this hole. But if we we live in a complex adaptive system, mm-hmm. and in complex adaptive systems, you can't draw linear straight lines between creation and capture. I mean, you, you have to be comfortable with the idea that it's going to be a messy part. Everybody will tell you that. And that's why you see so many of those little hand-drawn things that look like balls of yarn. They're like, you know, you have like a hockey stick and that's like the myth. Hockey stick up into the, up into the right is the myth. And then you have the ball of yarn is the reality. Like I had no clue that this was going to happen. My entire career is a giant ball of yarn. I have no clue what's going to happen next. And I, I've now gotten to the point where that, if I'm not in that condition, I think I just think of it as an irreducible uncertainty, right? If I'm not living in uncertainty with with extended breaks, right? Like time to rest and recover, because uncertainty is a, can be a little taxing. Simple, but yeah. if I'm not living in uncertainty, then I'm I'm doing something wrong. So, I, and I love Seth. Like it may not work. So right. I, I agree. Just like go and see everybody. Everybody, I think. Everybody who's honest about a creative career says this same thing. The argument you mean? Yeah. Everybody who has a creative career that's worked. Oh, makes, yeah. I, I, and, they're, and if they're honest, and I just mean that by like self-aware of it, like it's not necessarily dishonest. I'm just saying sure. they'll say, I don't, I didn't know. Like I, I had a plan, but mostly it's like, mostly it's this thing that you could not do. Right. And we've all felt it and most of us bury it, but if you're feeling it, like all I'm suggesting is like dance. I call it dancing with dragons. Like dance with it a little bit. Yeah, let it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and find a forum. And now it's I don't care if it's just to your neighborhood coffee shop or if it's on Twitter. Like whatever, find a forum, let it out. Play in public. 
Because I promise you, if you do it consistently for a year, you won't be sad you did it. I don't know why you'll yeah. be happy, but I know you won't be sad. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree with that. I've just, you know, I've got a lot of engineering mindset folks who just, who feel like they can predict the future in many ways. And when, when there's decreased amount of certain, you know, about like building stuff, um, software and so forth. So it's like, well, I know if I do this, then it's going to do that. So it's tough to say to them, it's like, okay, but you got to, you got to trust, you got to let go and not know exactly how it's going to play out. Um, but you're right. If you, if you show up for a year and you're doing something that's meaningful you in some, in some way that you want to do, not just because you think there's a big payout at the end because you want to do it, you're not going to be sad that you did it. You're not. For so, sure. It's so good. Okay. So, um, is there more to talk about with the podcast, the daily podcast, or could we jump over, you know, if so, then let's definitely do that. Um, also curious about, um, the mailing list and we, we sort of, we, I guess we already did talk about selling the sketches. I have a, a number of illustrators on the list and it's, uh, and, and they're, they're struggling. It's like, how do I, how could I possibly, how can I put Cheerios in the bowl? doing illustration without going on upwork and and just being told what to do by horrible clients yeah yeah so i don't know but let me let me wrap up behavior brady i would just say the reason i like that as a topic for this audience is because everybody could do it like if you just took your process and decided to do your work publicly how did you pick that pen which app do you use like, i know that's a little tactical but it's like i tried you know like just just so many of us are convinced we don't have anything to say. And I, I just would beg you to believe me, like that's classic imposter syndrome thinking is that because it's become easier second nature for you, both of those in air quotes, it's become easier second nature for you. You think it's easier second nature for everyone else. And if it's easy and second nature for everyone else, it must not be valuable because it's common. Well, it turns out it's not. None mm -hmm. of those things are true. Yep. You've just forgotten you know, like I always, in my audience, I always tell them like, you've forgotten that most people in the world don't know what standard deviation means. <laughs> Again, you throw it around like it's like a normal term. So, so that's like behavior app, the, the podcast, everybody could just start doing that. And you look, you know, it doesn't have to be a paid podcast just anyway. So that was how I'd wrap that up. The illustration thing. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I have a, I, I have a unique tailwind because these are it's purpose art, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of it going on. You know, I see um, a really good friend of mine that does, he does, he does marketing cartoons, the marketoonist, <laughs> Tom, Tom Fishboard, marketing, marketoonist, like he does marketing cartoons, um, uh -huh. illustrations around. So I, I, I think that, um, well, maybe it's just like, look, somebody came up, asked me if they could have one on the wall. I said, sure. And they paid me for it. And then mm -hmm. we started, now we sell digital downloads for a hundred dollars a piece. You get the high res file and the forever do whatever you want license is what we call it. Mm -hmm. And, and now who's going to pay a hundred dollars? Like the people who pay the hundred dollars for these are people who typically it's not, I mean, I have a few sketches that people hang on, hang on their walls in their house, like one, maybe, um, mm -hmm the only one my wife would allow in our house. Um, but the rest are like in the office, right? They're, they, they serve a purpose. Right. So I don't know outside of that, except that I've watched some people do, and it's always the same. The formula is always the same. It's like play in traffic, do a lot of it. Um, 
and then find interesting ways. Like there's so many interesting illustrators right now on Instagram getting paid for um, all the standard ways, like a notebook, a print, a, a t-shirt, and then digital rights to it. I've, I've followed, I, I have a collection of those people because I just love, because they're permissionless, right? Like nobody, there's no gallery owner. Right. There's no, like they're direct to the people in Kevin Kelly's sort of standard thousand true fans approach. Right. So that's all I've really got on that. I don't really know how to be helpful there. I think that was pretty helpful. It, and again, it's kind of like, it's kind of like there, a bunch of things that we've said, I think all would contribute into um, observations that might work for the illustrators in the audience. You know, it's, there's not a million tactics, yeah. you know, it's, there's just not, you don't have to worry as much about all of that stuff that you might be worrying about. And I, I just, I do love the uh, working in public or playing in traffic and, and paying attention to what's meaningful to people. But there's, there is also the thing of like, like I started doing a, a Sunday comic and I love it. Like, it's super fun. Like, is anything going to happen from it? No, no, I don't think so. It's just another way to communicate the ideas that I write about every day. And it breaks up the, you know, cause I do even Sundays. So, you know, seven days a week I'm putting stuff out. So it breaks it up for me and it's a different way to communicate hard ideas uh, in a funny way. So mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe something will happen, but well, you, it's just you know, fun. As I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you, Jonathan, I'm thinking like, I've actually had this conversation probably a hundred times with people. So I do like, here's what I would do is I would find one person that would buy something mm. like going from zero to one is, I don't know, 60, 70, 80% of the work. Yeah. And it, because it's all the fear is there, all the tactical places to hide. Like, what is it? So like, I, I don't care what it is. Like I just worked with somebody here locally that loves to draw kind of like zombie sort of drawings, which I'm just not, not into it. I have no interest in, but I love this person because they're way into it. Like I'm thing agnostic. Mm -hmm. I just am super stoked when you have a thing. And his <laughs> thing is he draws these zombie things. I'm like, you know where these would be super cool is a skateboard deck. Mm. Like go, would, would you do me a favor? Just go buy one blank skateboard deck, draw one and put it up for sale for 50 bucks mm -hmm. and just see yeah. like, Hey, I made this thing. I hope you like it. Classic uh -huh. stuff. Like I, yeah. and do that in public. And, and if you don't have anybody in public listening to you, send an email to 10 people Yeah, yeah. saying I made this thing. Okay. How about stickers? I made a pack of five stickers. People seem to find my, 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 uh, Sketches a little humorous and lighthearted and it makes them feel good. So I made a packet of five stickers. They're $12. Like we could, yeah. we, we could, okay, make a mug, do a t-shirt, <laughs> do it. Like we could riff all day on what the thing is, but the, what matters is the zero to one. Can you get somebody to buy? Can you get one person to buy? Yeah. I'm chuckling because of the terror of doing that first skateboard. I just, it's just so classic. For sure. And he hasn't done it yet. And I'm, I'm literally like, I actually went out and bought this this kid he's well he's 20 he's 24 he's an amazing like one of the best artists i've ever seen but no one knows it mm. and i actually went out and bought his domain his name as a domain was available so i bought it and i told him you either start putting stuff up on this or 60 days from now i'm gonna start putting stuff up drawn with my left hand <laughs> in your name <laughs> he's like he's like oh and only because i'm trying to force the issue because i care about him so but yeah it's super scary and i think that's why 
We all go try to find a million places to hide. No, sell one thing. Yeah. yeah. Sell one thing. There's nothing left, nothing left to hide. Yep. Totally. And, and there's so many people in my audience who just sell their time. They've never really sold anything. They're just renting themselves out or they kind of have a job without a boss or benefits. And they've never priced anything. They've never put a price for something on a thing and said, this is 50 bucks, period. Oh, it's so and, scary. Yeah, can I, right. Can, it's I, like, can, I, can I riff on that for just a second? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a reason that's so scary and it's, it, please, I'm like trying to be massive empathetic hug here. I'll, I'll actually probably get emotional about it because you, <clears throat> excuse me, um, when you create something like that, you are literally putting yourself up for judgment, right? You're taking, it's, I think it's the most intimate. I mean, I have spent my life studying risk and risk-taking. I backcountry ski and I, I'm involved with lots of venture capitalists and private. Like I know a lot about risk. I cannot think of a more intimate form of risk than what we're talking about here is because you're literally saying, and I always think of this when I hear Seth say this, I hear I made this, I hope you like it. I think of like holding something in my hands and extending my arms to somebody else and saying, here, Jonathan, I made this. And then the words, I hope you like it. <laughs> And because you know, there are going to be plenty of people who don't, and they are, they are going to have no problem in an anonymous way being vocal about it. And you're going to hear it. And you're like, so I think, I don't think there's any more intimate form of risk. So that is art. That's what you're scared of. Yep. And, and on the other side of that fear is like the, the, the most intense, wonderful satisfaction of putting something into the world. And so balancing that, I just think is so beautiful. Like I just, it's the, like that, that, that riff just now, like that's at the heart of the work I want to do more of is like, how do we get more people to say, I made this, like, I hope you like it to the world because we need that. We, I, as a quote unquote consumer need that book. I need that print. I need that t-shirt because it shows to me there's still people making things they care about. And if that's the only world I want to live in. Yeah. Right. Wow. I don't think we can top that. <laughs> yeah. Super fun. Carl, thanks so much for coming on, sharing your observations and experience and expertise. Where should folks go to find out more about what you're up to? Uh, probably the easiest is behaviorapp.com and, um, and then, you know, if you're, if, if you're interested in seeing the sort of broadcast stuff on Twitter, it's at Behaviorap and Instagram at Behaviorap. Amazing. Wow. Thanks again. Jonathan, my pleasure. That was really, really fun. All right, folks. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time for Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. -L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.